Welcome to the that. episode. And with me, I have my friend, Samantha Pingro, <laughs> who you. I've known since 2018, it seems. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. Hasn't been that long, but it feels like it's been pretty long. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it feels like pre-corona. <laughs> Oh my gosh! You're just uttering that yes. statement brings and, and, back and, and, and emotions. I think I think that's why I feel like we've been friends for a long time mm. because our friendship started pre-corona. Pre-corona, yes. Pre-corona, yes. wow! How how things have slowed down and yet gone so fast during these last two years. It's been yes, almost one and a half. No, I think it's it's going March? to be two years, right? Well, you no know one. That reminds me. Yeah. I was walking down like Jacob's ladder mm-hmm. as I was going to, I don't know where. I usually go on evening walks sometimes. And then there was a billboard saying, Happy New Year 20, uh, 2019 New Year celebrations or 2020 New Year celebrations. I was like, damn. You know what? I actually still feel like it's still that time. I know, right? I think... A major thing the pandemic has done is like it's stop time. It's stop time. Like I cannot mm. cannot recall events like even day to day activities. Yeah. It all starts blurring into this one. Yeah, it's know. all it's all like this one mess where you're like <laughs> since like you know I mm-hmm. feel like every year how I keep track of time is like events or festivals or you know i come home right right, that's that's how i keep track right there's always something happening that Mm. gives me a reminder oh it's that time of year whereas the past two years have just been like a blob i've been at home working from home same same definitely and i've been like damn okay but one thing is paul has been working from home before any of us have been working from home so you're you must have mastered the craft by now. No, <laughs> so see, like if you, I mean, if, I remember we were in Mumbai and you would always like you would be working on photography. You've been doing mm. that consistently even those mm. years that I've known you, and you've just always been a work from home kind of guy. No, but then remember those times I was like, you can't work from home all the time. You mm. need to go to office <laughs> because you need that interaction with people, mm-hmm. and like just working from home all the time and not having the actual interaction you, you just don't know how your day is going to go mm. it it all your work is going to go because some things do get lost in translation right like, right good like, point like yeah. not actual translation but you get it right like yep, if yep, someone yep. types an email you you would feel better if you were on a call but sometimes even on a call you can't describe what you want like mm. without being there so you know that's and also like it's it's nice man to like go to an office and just interact with people. It's not really that I need to do that to get work done, but then I feel like I need that to have that sense of community or binding with the team. Right, right. Because like you you started your whole career basically like just working just from, from home. Just from my bedroom. <laughs> and you've never met your teammates, right? Yes, yes. That's been quite um, a different experience for mm. me as well. Because now I only recognize them by the tone of their voice. And like, the profile pic. Not even that not sometimes. Even, not even that. Not okay. even that sometimes. So it's 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 a transition. It's always, mm. uh, you know, change. Yeah, that's what, like, you, you, you can't always be, like, working from home, right? You can't telecommunicate the whole time. You need some of that interaction right, right. as well to get not only a point across, but also, you know, some... You, you have that more... Uh, you have a stronger team relation, mm-hmm. a team dynamic. You get to understand the other person's like uh, hesitation mm-hmm. sometimes. A lot of it is on mm. body language as well. Yeah. So uh, that's completely true. Yeah. yeah, because like I feel like sometimes, especially like when you're working from home, people un- don't understand like, okay, you need to get other things done. Mm. So they're not, cons- they're less considerate for mm-hmm. that matter because what they see is, uh, this is your working schedule. Like you should be working this time. But like you know, when you're in an office, the the people you interact with, they get to know like your personal life, and they they understand like okay, you have to make certain accommodations for certain events or right, certain right. things, mm-hmm. which you you can't write that in an email, right? You're like right. <laughs> you can't. Hey, sorry. <laughs> uh, I have to be off because uh, I have to go do this and that. Like. It becomes unprofessional, but then yep. that working relationship you you need 
because I mean, you don't just have a work life. You need that personal life and definitely, that, definitely. that blend. Yep. And I said, oh, where are we going again? <laughs> Weird tangents. But yeah, like uh, like I said, you've been working from home. You're basically, that's it. I don't know. So I, I have to be really thankful uh. for you today for dragging me out of the house. And I'm here today. Uh, interacting with a real human being so oh my god yeah i should be i should be thankful right now that that, that sounds very sad <laughs> okay oh okay. yeah uh, samanda so, samanda also does doesn't go out or meet people okay that's that's a bit of a see i'm introverted by nature yes so it does meet I a family member myself i am i don't know i just thrive in that mm. space i i love Und- being by understood, myself understood and as you know i mean so, i like that too and I realized I was doing that for a couple of years until one day I was like, you know what? I think I, think I need to get out. <laughs> okay, so I am still transitioning into that. Mm. So it's good. It's good I have you and I have other people around yeah. me who get me active and get me out. Mm-hmm. So uh, during during this last year, I mean, like, you know, as we said, mm. you've been working from home. I've been working from home. We've also been able to, like, take some time to work on our personal projects. What are some of the things that you've been doing like in your spare time or taken up as freelance or, mm-hmm. you know, as personal work? So I think the one is right behind us. Oh, yes. Yes. She also did make the <laughs> logo. The one for the logo. <laughs> um, so that was really... Um, so let me tell you a little bit about the, the you know, concept of that mm-hmm. and my experience with working with you at the same time. So I remember that uh, you had a very clear idea in mind yes. for your podcast, right? So we had a discussion about it and everything. And I remember the first few options I gave you were completely off your radar. You know, they had a different yeah. vibe and things yeah. like that. So there, there was one 70s uh, see, I mean, inspired team and I was like, these all look great. <laughs> They're not what I'm going for. Mm. So, so I just want to point that out, that mm. you were a really good client in that sense that Mm. you knew what you were looking for and you communicated it and we had that discussion as well so it's not always a a war you know Mm -hmm. when when you're trying to deal with these things because you know these can be sensitive at times but uh, that was really good of you to just you know say it you know Mm -hmm. how it is and let's just not let's just scrap this let's this is you know Mm -hmm. not working uh and then then we moved on and then slowly kind of developed to this idea so that was Pretty quick, I would say, uh, yeah, from I the mean, usual, like, um, you know, timelines that I usually take up. I, th- I think we got some, there was like something which like caught my eye and then I was like, yeah, uh, yeah. an artist palette or something. Right, and right. Then, and then I was trying to rework that and you're like, wait, wait, I, I got it. <laughs> and like when you showed it to me, I said, like, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. And what you see behind me is the efforts of Samanda, where she was like, I got this shit, hold on. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, a lot of the input did come mm. from you, so it's it's good that way. See, like, collaboration, collaboration works really well when there's good communication and mainly the client also is aware of what they're kind of looking for. True. So True. that was one. Um, and I got into a few more projects. Most of them uh, are still a work in progress. Mm. So there are some interior projects, interior proposals that I've done as well. Uh, right now, I'm also exploring uh, UX projects over here. And um, yeah, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It depends because uh, people, according to what they want, you know, I kind of sit down with them, find out if I'm the yeah. right person to like take that project up in the first place. Because sometimes people, you know, they just have a problem and they think you are the one to help them with that. Uh, so they kind of come to you mm-hmm. and they mostly the the question is always, can you help me with this and how much will you charge? Yeah. And I'm, I always kind of slow people down like, wait, wait, like, let's not go to price yet. Let's just see if I'm first mm. the right person to take up this project for you. So, uh, you know, let's get on a call or yeah. have a discussion and see uh, what the requirements are. So that way, if, if I'm not the right person, I can maybe direct them to someone else or just tell them point blank, point blank that I'm not the right not, person. Yeah, yeah. yeah, because I think um, especially for your field, people assume like 
a designer is also an architect is also right. an interior designer is right. also a product uh, product <laughs> designer mm-hmm. is also a UI UX designer which sure some people do have the skills for all those but they right. you know in order for you to be like very good at something you have to focus at something it is right, like right. one speciality right so, and what what would you say is your feel of interest in that respect do so uh just uh i want to point out something that a lot of design fields overlap in a sense mm-hmm. so that's why i can see like a lot of things uh you know a, a one person can take up a little of this mm-hmm. that once they have that basic understanding because yeah. there is that overlap um so let's say i'm designing a phone i'm a product designer i design a phone but it's touch screen so you need the ux in that also yeah. you know to to be thought of so um and uh, yeah what was the second question again <laughs> what what is your uh, preferred area. area of interest right so it's differed over the years mm. and i know i'm quite new to this profession as well but i started out in interior design so um i was always a creative person and uh, i always thought like you know um you know the the options being offered to me over here i wasn't really sure about so then i went into interior design and then i studied outside uh, meghalaya so after that uh, at that level it was still a bit very niche for mm-hmm. me and i wasn't exposed to much and that's when i went to study industrial design which opened me up to like a whole new spectrum of things uh whether it was my own kind of core area or whether it was uh things that other people were studying as well like that really offered me that wide perspective and exposure okay. yeah. at that state but yeah i'm primarily from industrial design which is uh you know you can say product design but i would say these days product design also refers to digital products mm-hmm. so that term is also blurred now uh, but industrial design is basically dealing with things like mass manufacturing scaling okay. things um and it started with the industrial revolution so mm-hmm. um in a way you could say it it's kind of like a clash with crafts because crafts is very based on you know slow the slow approach you kind of um, you know you have to work years for someone to master something okay. in crafts right um and um it's usually less accessible because of the price point mm-hmm. but what industrial design does is because you're scaling it you're mass manufacturing the process and the materials um as a whole you have to think about that and the main factor is just to try and make it mass manufacturable and that okay. way it brings down the cost makes mm-hmm. things more accessible yeah so that is what uh, my area is um and as recently i've transitioned to ux as well yeah. so but i don't like to you know put myself in a rest- box yeah in a box don't like to restrict it so much and um it also depends on the type of clients i get mm-hmm. so they come with very unique problems so uh, even i ad- try to adapt to that as well yeah cuz uh, i did notice like remember when you made mm. the the chess pieces yeah 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 so in in that sense like those some of those products which you made right do you think uh from your standpoint you're making them into a, a digital product or do you have like a physical representation of some of those products as well okay so uh, those were done as concepts so mm. i had uh, taken up some projects that were just based mm. on a conceptual kind of model keeping that uh, but uh, there is potential in that uh, i just haven't had the time on my hands to kind of go into it because uh, like i said in industrial design you have to think about the manufacturing you have yeah. to think about the quality control so that takes a lot of time in industrial design especially so let's say if i was thinking about graphic design it's it's very simple you just make it on your system put it in a few like mbs mm-hmm. you know pixels all of those resolutions it's done right you just send it across but industrial design you require time for prototyping you require time for fixing errors in that prototype and then finally you come out with a pilot production which is just a few numbers and then you put it out in the market yeah. so it's a long long process and right now i'm not able to uh you know devote as much time to it um but yeah i, I hope like you know some of those mm-hmm. come into the market into a physical product or yeah. it can also be converted to maybe a digital format mm-hmm. as well so mm. from your point of view right i think one interesting thing which uh i was thinking of is 
do you think like you know with digitization with the ability to basically create 3d objects in space right. like with AutoCAD and all these mm. programs and now with the accessibility of 3d printing slowly starting to come up do you think there obviously there'll be more demand for these products but do you think the some of the artisans who do make those handcrafted products will that still be in high demand in the future if you can create the same products uh, but out of a cheaper or, yeah, alternative let's, let's right? not j just say cheaper but out of like a more consistent right. product as well right because right. like with an artisan like you know you're you're getting the product because of his skill right but also that consistency will also vary slightly compared to the material that he's using but then like i said if you're using autocad you're basically having a consistent yeah, yeah. material for that base as well right. do you see that transition happening where we're slowly moving away from artisans and going into that mass production of having these souvenir items or mm -hmm. let's say any items Other in items. general so i think to some degree that has happened uh recently uh and um you know a main factor is because of automation a main factor is mm -hmm. because of introducing machines into a process so once you have machines in you don't need people yeah and then what happens to those people who've been working at that mm -hmm. job for so long right so that is the main thing but as of late because you know everyone recently has become so conscious of sustainability they've become so conscious of transparency and how the products get produced and what happens to the product after you know its span of life is mm -hmm. over once you throw it in a you know dump yard yeah. what happens to it people are now concerned about that and i feel like this is the time where craft again has much more relevance has a more reemergence right right so it's it's coming up again and mm -hmm. if you see western countries are just grabbing onto mm -hmm. the idea like yeah. it's you know some miracle thing mm -hmm. whereas we are just still living in it so yeah uh here it's 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 funny it's like when you step away a bit you get to see things through a different lens yeah. or because, perspective because you're still seeing those artisans over here right here they're thriving right yeah i mean i think one example which just came to my mind right, right. is those dammatkas or yep, 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 yep. those uh, earthen pots yeah like uh, for a long time that was the standard vessel uh, mm. for storing water and all that and slowly like you know plastic came there were right. plastic bottles made now, but then now there's again a real right. re emergence. A, emergence of of the demand for that right people still they they kind of have not only a nostalgia for that product but right. then they also feel there's this new drive of um uh, I, i would say owning something which is of more value and not just like uh, that mass production mm -hmm. which we talked about just now yeah so i, I think, think that's uh, that's an interesting perspective right where yeah. we're, we're going back into that circle of like okay we we were having automation for this but again exactly. there's a new demand a new resurgence for that same product mm -hmm. and i think now because people uh, i spoke about transparency so people want to know where it's coming from people want to know the source uh people want to know about the artisan who made mm -hmm. that you know they want to see themselves you know when you attach uh something to a product it it has a uh, a brand value it yeah. has you know th those kinds of things so with artisans and uh, you know the craft process it becomes a lot about the process the origin of it whereas in industrial design mass manufacturing it just becomes about the end product the functionality yeah yeah sometimes. just the end thing like you're not going to want to know how a machine just you know you formed it exactly. you know injection molded it you know you're not going to talk about all exactly. that but that comes when something is handmade mm -hmm. and i think people have to realize you cannot compare the two to such an extent True. like you were saying you know you have um because you have that hand touch to a product it will have no two products will be the mm -hmm. same whereas in industrial design you're ma mass manufacturing it two things are more identical right but i think there's that is what gives it character right when two things are not the same yeah so you have to kind of respect the process of craft as well and be like no thing two things can be the same we can try mm -hmm. and get close to it but that's just how it is so let's respect that and let's not try to make it 
into what the yeah you know what can be done by machines yeah because i think uh, to some extent right we we are slowly starting to think like everything can be done by machines and right we are actually devaluing the the skill. work the skill the yeah. the work that goes in yeah uh, i've seen that a lot with uh, a lot of these souvenirs so mm-hmm. if you remember like khasi souvenirs when we were younger i felt like they costed a lot more because lot more. Mm-hmm. there was an understanding like someone put in the time mm-hmm. but then now with a lot of fast goods uh, a lot of alternatives. these alternatives alternatives like mm-hmm. you get plastic things and all that people are not willing to pay that same premium right. as they did for some of these traditional goods or handcrafted goods where that was the thing i was uh, telling my friend last time also they had i had visitors come in from shillong and they wanted to buy souvenirs but again like uh, there comes a problem where i can't really recommend them anything because i don't feel like the quality is also the okay. same right because so as from our childhood we understood that there was that quality whereas now people have moved into a more mass production of those same right. same items but then you can clearly understand like okay, the same heart has not gone into production uh, mm-hmm. into that production process yep 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 and i think that comes a lot because we come from a place where craft is very strong Mm-hmm. so even you know it's expected that our craftsmanship be at that level, level you know yeah. so i think even now in other areas as well like i remember we had this interaction with someone working with copper artisans so she was saying that uh, the expectation is that you have handcrafts like craftsmanship but uh, the precision of machines oh. so it's it, they're able to do that as well mm-hmm. so it's quite interesting how you can sort of bring in um an interesting mix between that and i think right now also even with something called slow design it's trying to respect the craft process but at the same time try and make it more uh you know accessible and bring down the okay. price point one thing one main thing is a, is once you handcraft something the price point mm-hmm. goes really high so it's not going to be accessible to the to you know no. everyone it's going to only be accessible to people who can afford high high end goods True. luxury goods for example like uh, the airy silk we have here right those have they come at a very high price point because the process right now is very labor intensive yeah and so you it's coming at that price mm-hmm. but let's say i'm just a teen who who really loves airy silk I cannot afford that. Yeah. I'm just going to go to my local market, get a cotton t-shirt that says yeah. I love Airy or something <laughs> to show the same kind of, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, it it takes a lot. It takes policy as mm-hmm. well. It takes intervention to kind of bring in, you know, that to kind of uplift it to that to that yeah. um stage. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I think one other interesting point which you brought up earlier also during the day was uh a lot of furniture now is also made by engineering plywood right a lot of um when our parents bought things they, they were like you know hard, really hard solid wood like you know that teak. it's going to outlive all of us yeah that that teak that sandalwood <laughs> yeah. like uh i don't think sandalwood is actually the best example <laughs> but you know that teak that oak mm-hmm. or some of the pine you know those those things are like uh, some of the cupboards they they've lasted generations yep yep and they'll continue lasting generations because like you know you you're using quality products mm. you you're also putting the the artisan craft into developing that right whereas like take for example the table we have That's right in front, in front of, of us. us which you might not be able to see <laughs> this is a bobbly piece of shit <laughs> and it's probably going to mm. break sometime soon and you know once it breaks don't say that too many bad things have happened before this Listen, recording this, you know it just might it just might not a good quality table <laughs> anyway some some at some time it's it's going to break right and you're going to throw it away and i feel like that's that's also something that debate of you know fast fashion versus yep. like um slow fashion slow slow fashion or like quad, quality, using quality material mm-hmm. i think that also has seeped a lot into everything that we have right now right. we're so inclined to have like the latest uh yeah 
whatever latest design or latest, latest trends yeah, and then discard trends. it for the next latest yes, trends. We're, we're not too concerned about how it actually feels or how it's going to last. I think uh, slowly we've gotten into more of that consumeristic nature where we're like, it just needs to look good for a certain period of time. It doesn't need yeah. to last that lifetime. Whereas I think like our parents generation or generation before that were like, I've bought something that that will last me for years to come. And I can pass down to my kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think now with social media and Instagram, you mm. have things that you will not even wear outside, but it'll yeah. look good in a photo shoot. True. So it's even coming down to that, you know, it's it's like unpractical, but it'll just look good for the mm-hmm. camera. So again, that mindset, I don't know, like, you know, there's, yeah. there's a mindset that's growing in that sense mm-hmm. where consumerism is just, you know, that full, fast, full yeah. scale, fast. That fast pace yep. consumerism where, where, like I said, like, you know, we're we're in a in a time of confusion, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. We don't really know what we want because there are certain things which, you know, you you don't need the best uh, material. You don't need it to last. You just need it to function for that particular right. time period, and you're not going to spend the money for it. Mm. Whereas there are some things which you need to last for a long time. I think slowly, you know that. That mindset, uh, I don't know which which will take over in the end, but you can't always have things which will which will last also because they do run out of fashion or you know functionality. Then becomes right. an issue of how do you remold it. But again, like if you have too many uh, fast moving items, then you you increase pollution. Like you said, right. it's it's not going to be biodegradable. At at the end, you're going to have a lot of waste. So you know, we're at that. Uh, junction in time where both things are predominant yeah, yeah. I, I i wouldn't say one circum uh, one, I mean, uh one dominates is dominates the other, but, the other yeah, but then, they're both pretty strong on both sides yeah and which one will win in the end i don't know but then you know we can't continue also on that part of just using and throwing items I right feel. right like even though like you know having those quality items might not be for everyone but i i don't think like you know fast consumerism is also a good step into the future and we're back mm. so just now we were talking i think we had reached somewhat of a conclusion on our last topic of fast consumerism and right <laughs> what was the other thing fast fashion consumerism mm. and sustainability and sustainability, yes. She has put it more eloquently than I could have. So, oh, hmm, now I'm a bit confused. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we were talking about, you know, having that, that artisan trait and, right. you know, how handcrafts will always have its place. Um, and in a similar case, like the artwork that you do as well, like with your with your tea bags. And I think mm. we, in our previous recording, we did talk about like, you know, the, the whole bit. process that you uh, took to get into all that. But how, how did you actually come about starting that? Like what inspired you to take up tea bags and then start painting on them? So um, it's nothing grand. <laughs> like I wouldn't say the origin of that is anything, you know, um, life-changing but um, uh, what happened was I was outside uh, during my internship and where I was at that period of time I was really uh, you know longing for something to to express myself with mm-hmm. and um, like at the time I, I just I don't know it just randomly came to mind that okay I, I have always been drawn to miniature objects okay. so at the time I just thought like okay this is a really interesting material because I would regularly have my cup of tea and I just thought okay this has a really nice texture to it you know let me it looks like paper let me try something mm-hmm. on it so uh, that's how I initially started just because I wanted an outlet a creative outlet where I was at the moment. So um, I like to compare it to how cave painting started. So Mm -hmm. it's like you really didn't have any other thing to paint on. So you use the walls, right? Yeah. So I really didn't have much at the time. Of course, paper is always accessible. But I just, I don't know. I just wanted 
a different medium mm-hmm. and that offered itself okay and uh, i just really found it therapeutic for myself mm-hmm. as well so i started painting on it and i started experimenting with it so um yeah it's been a learning process to kind of really find out how to treat the tea mm-hmm. bag how to dry it you know which kind of uh, tea stains the best for my kind of okay. artwork so i use watercolors i started mm-hmm. with markers i started with just um fine liners and these days i use uh, combinations but i've mm-hmm. mostly been using watercolors uh, how would you describe the consistency of the paper though like compared to other materials for yeah. artwork it's uh it's challenge even with fine liners i use a really like 0.05 mm-hmm. fine liner so the minute you apply too much pressure it starts blotting it starts not blotting like especially if you're working with faces or portraits that's when i find it most challenging okay. because even a slight increase in the line weight mm-hmm. changes an expression or okay. it, you know changes things in it mm-hmm. so uh again i i am trying to if i can get something you know mm-hmm. even more micro than that it would be great but uh yeah the texture works pretty well for fine liners uh and it absorbs the color quite well so okay. yeah but do you do you feel like you know it's uh it's more challenging to work on that uh compared to uh sorry i I don't think that was the right question. I meant, <laughs> okay. I meant like um, the type of tea that mm-hmm. you consume. Do you feel like certain teas allow themselves like more um, flexibility in, in terms of after you've used them? Like the the paper, does the consistently uh, consistency change like according yep, yep. to the type of tea? Yeah. So uh, green teas work the best because they stain just enough. so okay. that you get that effect mm-hmm. um and uh, the red teas are kind of tricky the more also it's it has to do a lot with how much you stain how long mm-hmm. how you dry it so if if the drying process is not good then that you know the the mm-hmm. canvas itself becomes very fragile and it doesn't it usually fades over time okay so i have had to learn from my end as well um you know i've had to observe paintings that i've done before and i've had to try and adapt to a new kind of process of drying uh-huh. and making sure that even the treatment prior to painting itself mm-hmm. is is you know appropriate for for the kind of stain the kind of tea stain that's there so i've even tried like inks on it but um yeah right now not much success on that front yeah i yeah. mean does that actually spread out faster like it, it compared blots. to other yeah like paper? i've just tried just ink on its own yeah. and uh, that blots very quickly uh whereas watercolor there's still some control to it markers mm-hmm. is fine um so yeah it's it's a learning process for me as well and i do enjoy okay. kind of just finding out what's good or on it mm-hmm. or not so yeah it's it's so what's, what's been the most uh, challenging um piece that you've actually uh, done on it done on i would say portraits i wouldn't say a particular piece but i would say portraits, portraits are quite yeah yeah quite challenging because like i said the features and mm-hmm. working with that it, lines, yeah. yeah so i usually pick a time when it's really quiet it's either in the morning or at night uh-huh. because you know khasi houses are Loud. noisy and yes. they're uh, act, you know lively so i pick a good time i take my time with it and i try my best to you know keep a steady mm-hmm. hand so uh, yeah it takes it takes more time definitely with portraits and how like uh, when did you start this again i started this in 2017 2017 yep yep so gradually i've just uh, explored with uh, just um you know capturing mm-hmm. portraits is a recent thing i've mostly done uh, scenic stuff mm-hmm. and you know things around the house things i i experience from day to day so these can be very simple experiences but they have something attached yeah. uh, for me personally so and have you have you seen um like you know how how has your work uh, actually uh, aged during that time i mean like if you look at a piece from mm. 2017 do you, do you see the consistency of like artwork how it fades like how does your artwork does it does the color change do you see that texture kind of change throughout the years like yep, if you've yep. had a piece long enough 
it it does it does and especially when it's exposed to uh, moisture and oxygen or harsh sunlight mm-hmm. so uh, i have had instances where i've done artwork for someone in kerala okay. and he was a good friend so then i asked him to just check on it because i just felt like you know it it mm-hmm. does change a little bit over time uh, it's just you know part of the the nature of the tea bag yeah. itself so uh his place was uh, really humid yeah. very very humid yes. Yes, and yes. i very had humid. made the mistake on my part to not frame it in a like you know fully sealed frame okay so this is this was a great learning for me personally mm-hmm. to understand that okay you know these are the limitations mm-hmm. of this material and i have to find ways around it so i spoke to nafi mm-hmm. i think and no not nafi a friend of mine who also works in archaeology okay so i asked um a friend of a friend sorry like a friend of a friend who okay. works in archaeology sure. so i uh, got some advice that you know these are the ways you can treat it mm-hmm. because even in that field you deal a lot with how to preserve things so um yeah it's it's interesting how this leads me to another field of of sort of a similar practice and things like that so i'm always trying to learn how to better better preserve Develop, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and you know, improve my process overall mm-hmm. yeah So what has been uh, your biggest learning curve like since you first started this journey in terms of uh, not I wouldn't say just learning how to use the canvas yeah. but then how has your art artwork or art your style of work changed like throughout the years like have you seen that progress hmm so i have definitely the strokes and in terms of technique mm-hmm. i've tried to you know study the strokes and things like that um in terms of what i portray it's uh, it's always connected to experiences that i experienced yeah. so uh for the times that i was outside and on my own uh it was a lot to do with a uh, home and mm. that connection of trying to stay connected to home so those were the kind of stories that were coming out and then throughout the pandemic it became such a therapeutic way for me to just you know realize that the space that i'm in to mm-hmm. just be grateful you know um at that time when everything was kind of very unknown yeah. so i would kind of try to stay grounded try to remember where i am try to capture the experiences that mm-hmm. i have and am fortunate from day to day so that was i think during the pandemic it really helped and i had that time as well to um you know see what what i can yeah. really portray so uh, yeah. were there particular things during the last few years which you saw yourself more gravitating towards in terms of what you were portraying in your tea bags hmm. so it's always connected i would say to um culture mm-hmm. um so i'm i don't know i just find the aesthetic of the tea bag and where we come from it just i don't know it just goes hand in yeah, hand yeah. so let's say i was putting anime on a tea bag doesn't really mm-hmm. and strike me you know so yeah. i just feel it it really captures the essence uh, it helps bring the story further okay. you know that rustic look to it that yeah, appeal like that uh, this little imperfections you know the fact that it uh, fades a little bit over time it ages you know it's all a reminder that it's you know something 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 like that really something captures grounded. Yep, yeah yeah it really helps it really you know piques my interest in that sense yeah and uh, i know you've started this for quite a while but how has the reception been from other people who've seen you like take it up it's it's been good it's been great because uh, i don't think many people do miniature art in general yeah. nor do they uh, paint on tea bags uh, most is the reaction of uh, you know like um how much tea do you drink in a day it can even yeah. like you yeah, know go sure. to those yeah so and if the minute i post something on tea they're like are you going to use that tea bag <laughs> you know so uh it, it's funny it's funny definitely but uh it's been great like people really mm-hmm. find an interest in it as well and i think the miniature aspect really adds to it like i don't think um you know something has to be loud and yeah. big to get attention or True. to find a place in your in your home in your you know to capture a moment so it can even be something really small so i think people you know really like that aspect of mm-hmm. it and um uh so far what i've been doing has also allowed me to connect with other people who 
Turns out there are a lot of people out there who paint on tea bags. Oh, really? Yep, yep. It's just you that. I've met other people. <laughs> I have met other people, That's yes, for your information. So, uh, just that no one in close proximity, okay. but there are a lot of people in New York, a lot of people in Europe. Um, you know, there's, there's, there was even a group of three ladies, I think, mm -hmm. who um, do something called mixed media art. Okay. So, they just uh, share you know, things, they share profiles on Instagram of yeah. people who do something similar. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they just added me also to that and they started sharing my work as well. So that was a really nice thing to find this community of people who I did not know existed. Yeah, I so, mean, that's true. So, yeah, definitely Instagram makes the world seem much more smaller. Mm -hmm. So that was nice. That was nice to see that other people and they're holding exhibitions for their teabag art. Oh, and wow. they're, Doing so many things, it's mm -hmm. it's like really nice. I, in that essence, right? I mean, you talked about how you were able to connect. How has uh, how do you feel your ability to be online has helped you? You know, spread out your creativity. Uh, do you think it's it's really allowed you to express yourself a lot more? Do you think like you know you would have done this regardless of whether there was any interest online or from other people i think for me mainly it started as just a personal um you know a personal journey mm -hmm. so uh to answer your question i definitely would just do it out of just again like i said it's very therapeutic yeah. for me so i just would do it regardless but uh it's it's nice to also be able to put it out there like i said connect with other people see what they're doing you know mm -hmm. you get inspired this definitely. way as well so it's always nice to do that. Like I do try to engage with people who are also engaging with my art. Mm -hmm. um, but I do also, you know, try to take time off to just focus on the art. And maybe I don't I don't always post everything I create. Yeah. Um, so that's also an important thing for me to kind of switch off, know when to switch off as well. Yeah. And like you said, you're able to connect with other people uh, who have, has a similar interest but uh how has your connection also been to like other artists and painters or designers like during this especially during this last two years which you right. have actually been at home like i, I right, think right. like for you and me it's probably the longest we've been home for quite a while exactly exactly so i have realized that we are quite young in the space. Like for, for me as, a, as an artist, for me as a designer, I'm really just starting out. And I know that there have been people who have been doing this for a really, really long time. And it's just because we're on Instagram, we feel like, you know, we're the ones yeah. posting and we're the ones having so much visibility. But uh, you slowly start to realize that there's a community of people who have been doing this for ages there are people setting up studios and I've seen in the past two years that it's really nice to see design studios coming up mm -hmm. here. It's really nice to see maker spaces coming out. Okay. So, uh, you know, like uh, Dakti Crafts, mm -hmm. we're all familiar with. So they've set up their studio, which I quite, I mean, I follow their work as well. And then uh, even another one, which I am not sure how to pronounce it, Turbit, I guess they, there's a, like a maker space. Where is that? It's in, uh, where is it? can't remember the exact location but i just follow them on instagram and i know that they they're somewhere instagram? yeah 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 like outside um i don't know where they are let me let are me they, look this up are Someone they at in shillong? not in shillong but uh between here and guwahati i guess okay well somewhere close Le i just cannot remember the on the proximity. spot right now but yeah just look them up there on instagram so uh, I'm just, you know, I've just been seeing things around as well. So lots of people are doing lots of things, ceramics, yeah. basketry, like it's really nice. And it's really nice that they're trying to modernize these elements because yeah. like, you know, sometimes a sad thing for me is when I just see really functional objects just being put in as decor, you know, I mean, yeah. I'm also in the interior design space as well, but you know, these like these materials have so much more to them and we just need to modernize the approach mm -hmm. and try and make it applicable for today's context. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I see a lot of people trying to do that and it's really encouraging um, and it's really, and I mean, I'm hopeful we can all learn from each other as well. A lot of this has to do with um, trying to maybe, 
you know, educate others as well about the significance of such, you know, progress. So it's it's encouraging to see for sure. Oh, that's good to hear. Uh, are there any any particular artists that you've uh, gotten a chance to meet up with recently? So, uh, Bart Benedict is is like one of the you know uh, very renowned artists mm-hmm. right now. So I have not met him, but I have uh, seen him virtually, and okay. <laughs> I've also interacted with him just in a virtual manner. In a virtual sense. Call yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's like really nice mm-hmm. that way that you know even within the pandemic that such interactions can happen yeah. so he is one and then there's so many others as well just you know doing things in research whether it's design research mm-hmm. uh, so many people in design education and all from here so mm-hmm. they're they're doing uh, like really good things yeah yeah i think uh, you know most times we don't really get to know like people in and around us unless we have that color uh, collaborative environment. Right, right. I feel that's uh, probably maybe something that might uh, expand as we go into the future because like if if you're working too much in a closed space, you're never going to get those new ideas. Right, right Or you're right. never going to learn new techniques if you only construct yourself to be in your own bubble. Mm-hmm. I feel like your growth is only determined by the boundaries you set yourself up to be. And if you set a very small boundary within your living room, like you're never going to expand beyond that. <laughs> Is this a direct jab at me? <laughs> no, no, but... No, I get uh, it. I, like I, totally, said, yeah. I totally agree 100%. Un- yeah. Unless we actually meet people who are better yeah. than us, we can't learn. Or we won't even know that we're not as good if we don't meet people better than us, right? Right. Because we'll always be in our own bubble thinking like we're the best, we're number one. Yep. And Instagram, social media does a very good job of keeping you in that mm. bubble, you know. So you kind of need, you need to be grounded. You need to be open and exposed mm. to work that's better than yours. Yeah. And But yeah. at the same time also for people who are starting off, uh, you know, your work might not be as good as, you know, the the best in the field, but don't don't start off comparison uh, comparing yourself with <laughs> yep. n- numero uno. You know, yeah, you'll yeah. get there. Like they probably took like fifty years to get there. You have started maybe a month. Yeah, uh, you're you're not going to have the definitely the same definitely. skills in place. So what comes to mind yeah. for me is. Um, so social media is mm. very based on just the end product, right? Yeah. You don't see the pain behind that. You don't see the so many iterations that have gone on mm-hmm. b- behind that. You don't see the experience, you know. You only yeah. see that end result. You, you so, only see the finished version of this podcast and not you, the, <laughs> the, many, the exactly. many mistakes that have happened. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, it, that can really um, give you the impression yeah. that things happen very quickly for some people. And that's not true. Like, there's mm. a lot of hard work. There's a lot of failures. There's a lot of getting up and trying again. So for newbies, especially, you should never, mm. you know, be too hard on yourself that, you yeah. know, you can't get it on the first try. No one rarely yeah. gets uh, it on the I first think, try. I think, you know, what, what you should aspire to do, right, is you you continuously work on your craft. And if if after a month you look back at your work and like, oh, yeah, I've improved. Or you look back after six months, you're like, oh, yeah, I've improved. And then you look back right. at a year, you're like, yes, I've improved. It's it's only when you reach a point where you look back at your work and you're like, no, no, it's as good as today. That's when you seriously need to reconsider, like, right. are, are you doing a good enough job? Mm. Because it's only at that stagnation where your inspiration becomes low or your motivation dries up. You need to be constantly challenging yourself because in the end, uh, you're not fighting a battle against someone who's staying in the States or right, right. in UK or Madrid or anywhere else. Like, you know, your battle is with yourself and mm-hmm. your creativity is only bounded by how how much you're willing to push yourself. Yep, yep. Uh, also, I would just like to point out that things happen in compound, you know, there's mm-hmm. a, there's this concept of compound growth. Yeah. Right. That happens with finances, that happens with habits, that happens with everything. So even with your skills, it's always going to be incremental changes that, you know, ultimately get you 
better get yeah. you you know close to perfect if not perfect so yeah, yeah i mean um, we we talk about perfection in such a sense but perfection is also uh an individual perspective right like mm. what is perfect to one person is not perfect to another person so you know as much as you aspire to be perfect you you'll never reach that because in someone's eyes you can never reach that perfection so oh, that just got deep <laughs> but so true so but true yeah i mean in the end right what what you should aspire to is always be creating and always be evolving right i, I think that's that's the best way to look at life in general is mm. if if you're growing each day i think that's a better reflection of uh your state uh or your progress in life than if it was for you to at 20 have been the best at something and mm. then you live your whole life afterwards thinking like oh yes that time remember that time <laughs> when i won that when oh, i was that and yes. i feel like for a lot of people that does happen you know they does, they feel like they've they've reached the pinnacle of their field and then there's basically nothing else to do i think it that that real that real sense of perfection only applies to certain individuals who have done that but for most of us like you know it's always a growing process so true so true i have nothing else to add to that <laughs> i think you said to, it perfectly I, i'm trying to think like who who has reached that state of perfection, perfection. for someone you know i mean or anyone in general right who have been like so great at what they've done and just been like okay i'm done would it be like no elon musk is forever oh, hungry he, yeah he still he still has still that in the game jeff bezos you know still at it no who who has really been like i feel see i think a lot uh, with a lot of creative people mm. it just never stops yeah. you know so i oh, yeah, yeah. don't think I, I there's think, a break i think like if you look or one of my favorite actors like bill murray mm-hmm. he he's basically done it all he's now he just like yeah sure if now he it's not like he actively goes out searching for work or you know he has like mm-hmm. thousands of scripts he's reading because he wants to be in a movie mm-hmm. now really he has the option of like oh i really like that let me just be in that movie cuz in the end like he he's reached that i feel that level of like yep. he's already experience experience mm. and lit- but at that point it's not like he's he's right up of hunger but then at that point he doesn't need to hustle anymore for like taking the odd jobs now he can mm. really focus on things that he likes yep. and there i feel like we've we've reached the point of like he he has made it so now he's more selective about his own craft because now he can make the things that he actually enjoys right which which then puts you on a different pedestal of like okay i don't give a fuck anymore <laughs> true 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 but that's a really good place to be in yeah. i mean i mean un- until you reach bill murray's level <laughs> i think just i think for you, bill murray i then. think you can you can always look for improvements yep yep cuz basically if if you are worried that you know your work doesn't look good don't worry like look at it uh 10 years later you're like oh shit my work wasn't bad oh it wasn't good but now it's better <laughs> no but don't you find that you do something and then maybe just even months pass by you look at it and you're like oh this look good i look at my photos from like last week sometimes don't like, wait 10 years what? just wait Whoa, like no. yeah, 10 days and you yeah. you just look at it and you think like no yeah i mean i i looked at some posts uh some photos i posted recently as like i could have changed that i could have, why did i do that yeah 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 because i'm introspecting i'm like i'm my own critic but mm. but at the same time like you know you should you should just just post things that's yeah. also another thing like it comes back to the perfection point yeah. if you're going to wait for it to be perfect you'll end up never posting it or putting yeah. it out and it's important as a creative to get feedback it's important yeah. to be able to showcase your work if you wait too long to post 
you're you're never gonna post it. You're never gonna do it. And you're never gonna learn. You're never going to learn. You're never gonna get feedback. Mm-hmm. And if you don't fail, and I think that's that's the biggest problem with any Asian parents, Asian family in right, general. Right. It's like they expect you to be perfect. That ain't happening. You need to fail, and you need to know why you fail. The the more you do stuff, the the more you figure out, and you can't. You can't be afraid to like put out your work. Mm-hmm. You True. can't. You can't be afraid of others judging your work, because yes, there'll be that random asshole who'll post like mean things, but there will be people giving you genuine feedback, and even you'll also understand. Right, if you post your work, you'll understand. Like, okay, this doesn't look as good as this, and then you'll understand why. But also, don't use like likes as a as affirmation a, or as an affirmation or a meter for how good your art is because yeah. like not everyone will appreciate your art or you know Instagram or Facebook those might not be the right places to uh, come I mean present your art right, right like right. some some things just really need to be like 50 feet tall for anyone to really appreciate they need to see it right so don't don't also use like Facebook as uh, likes or comments or whatever as a meter of how good your work is, but use it more as like you know, a uh, kind kind of like a pinboard where you you're you're just showcasing your work and then you can then go back and look at like your progress. Like yeah. use it use it more like. As just a place for you to showcase, but not um, totally depend on it yeah. for for totally depend yeah. on it, or you know, be too consumed by other people's reactions mm-hmm. or whatever as well. Yeah, I like to think that you should see where the feedback is coming yeah. from. So an example is, let's say, Amazon products. Mm-hmm. Do you, Have you seen the review section? Uh, some people yep. don't even know how to use the freaking product. <laughs> and they give a bad review, right? And they give a bad review. Exactly. So you kind of have to use your, you know, kind of have to filter it out mm. and see where it's coming from. A good thing I do is I have people in my life who, who know my kind of thinking, mm-hmm. who give really good advice and I always get feedback or critique from them because I know they're going to give it to me straight if it's really bad mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to just help me grow in that sense. So, you know, pick specific voices that you're going to choose. Yeah, exactly. So I don't mean, listen to all of it. Yeah, I mean, you'll just go deaf like listening to the crowd. Yep. Make sure you have that that real connection with someone who can give you an unbiased... Yep, so... What you're pointing to is a mentor. Yes. A mentor can really, really help you in your personal or, growth as well. Yes, or even for that aspect, right? Have have friends who can who can give you that unbiased opinion. Like there'll be some people who'll who'll kiss your ass and who'll keep on saying, like, you know, this work is so great. But mm. then there there will be some people who'll come to you and be like, you know what, I don't think this was as good as your previous work. They not, might not be able to on a technical level, be able to advise you like where to improve. But for artwork in general or any creative field, like it is also like you're building it for an audience, so for a crowd. So, you know, sometimes it is just that feeling that a certain piece gives out, right? Mm-hmm. And having someone who is unbiased in their opinion of telling you the truth of how they feel is also very important. Uh, mm. they, they can unobjectively tell you, like, I think, like, you know, your previous work was better or this is better. But but at the same time, like, you know, don't uh, don't worry too much about that negative ob- objection or that negative criticism. Because, you know, uh, like I said, like, the more the more you work at something, the better you get at it. Right. Well said. Yeah. And on that <laughs> note, I think we can end this podcast of many trials and tribulations it was great having you samanda uh thank you so much for having me do you want to 
plug yourself. Uh, what's your plug myself? What yeah. What's what's your Insta handle? Oh, oh, you mean like you mean the thing that Hot One does? They're like this camera, this camera. Yes, this camera. <laughs> this camera. That camera. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you. Can what do you got going on, man? In my life, okay. So you can find my teabag art on Candor on Canvas. Uh, that's my Instagram handle, and then I also have my personal page where I delve a lot more into the you know freelance work that I'm into. So, yep, that's it. I mean, uh, she might not post that much, but she might not post that much, but but you know when she does, it's worth it's worth <laughs> every every moment. Thank you. So Thank please you. Uh, do follow, and I'll leave the links in the description below. So thank you, everyone, and goodbye.